Welcome to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. When people are injured due to negligence or while on the job, they need all the help they can get. Doctors Armin Feldman and Mike Bummer help ensure they get it. Join them as they discuss the newest medical subspecialty of medical legal consulting. Learn how attorneys can gain a competitive advantage in PI, workers' comp, and medical malpractice cases. Armin and Mike can help you better understand the medical issues in your cases, leading to larger settlement amounts and the best possible medical care for clients. They can help save you time and increase case value, all without breaking the bank. Let's get started. Welcome to this episode. I'm Dr. Armin Feldman, and as always, I'm here with my friend, colleague, and partner in Physicians Legal Consultants, Dr. Mike Bummer. Hi, Mike. Hi, Armin, and hello to our listeners. Today, we're going to go back to the basics and discuss a case. We've, we've been covering a lot of more abstract topics about physician legal consulting and, and how we interact with attorneys and various concepts and, and whatnot and different services that we offer. But I think that discussing specific redacted cases and versions of how we add value to our attorneys is often uh, the root of how our listeners may learn how this may or may not be helpful in their practice. So I'm excited to jump back into a case today. And this is this is a case that you had from, from quite some time ago where you were asked kind of for a, a very specific question, but like most cases, it uh, kind of evolved into more uh, more elaborate commentary and opinion making on your part, correct? Correct. Yeah. So I'll get into the case. By the way, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it wasn't like in ancient times before the pandemic, <laughs> you know, as our uh, friend, Dr. David Grundy said, but this was actually a, a case uh, that I wrote up in 2022. So this is a case of a 57-year-old man who suffered a mild traumatic brain injury in a work-related accident. And we'll get into all of the details, but here's the basic uh, story. So uh, this man who uh, worked uh, as an engineer at an aerospace company, so he was actually literally a rocket scientist, right? So, and I think that's pertinent to the case, but so this man was at work. He was walking up a flight of stairs uh, to get to his office and a workman who was installing electrical conduit on the roof of the building came down into the building and he was also on this stairway but he was a couple of flights up from uh, where the client was walking. And unfortunately, this workman dropped his tool belt. And the tool belt fell approximately 20 feet and hit this man on the top and front sides of his head. The tool belt was estimated to weigh about 15 pounds. And the client uh, had a, a laceration. He cut his scalp um, as well as uh, the fact that he was knocked to the floor. 
He did have a period of unconsciousness that lasted about a minute. And on regaining consciousness, uh, the client reported to the, his fellow workers who had gathered around him that he felt dazed, confused, disoriented. Uh, and he actually had a, a brief period of a retrograde uh, amnesia. He, he couldn't really remember what happened to him uh, what, going up the stairs and, and that kind of thing. So we'll get into what happened with his head injury. Here's the thing, though. What the attorney really needed help with is that this man had a pre-existing history of heart disease, of coronary artery disease. And uh, approximately seven months after this work-related accident, he had a heart attack. He had a myocardial infarction and he underwent coronary bypass surgery. And here's what happened. Uh, the surgery was successful. He did well. Uh, but opposing counsel argued that the pre-existing coronary artery disease and the subsequent bypass surgery accounted for the client's cognitive and other symptoms. Wow. Okay. So that, that when I read this report, I didn't mm -hmm. expect that to be the assertion of the defense counsel, but in a way we know from how often we see these cases and various defense strategies that that is not an uncommon, albeit a bit wild assertion. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, I guess, uh, in a sense, opposing counsel was trying to do their job, right? Yes, but it still makes you roll your eyes a little bit. But then again, uh, it, it gives us a, a role to serve the attorney, right? So this is, this is kind of a, I don't want to call it simple, but mm -hmm. there's, there are medical facts and, and diagnoses and mechanisms of, of action that you probably went on to discuss. Yeah, that's right. So uh, in my report, uh, I uh, was uh, uh, quoting the attorney that hired me in the letter that he sent me. And I said, you asked, quote, how much, if any, uh, did the coronary artery disease and bypass surgery contribute to his current cognitive impairments and other MTBI uh, problems. You know, that probably makes more sense because from a legal perspective, this attorney, albeit as wild an assertion as anyone wants to think, mm -hmm. does need to, to shoot down or dispel any chance that this argument could have, could have feet and, and could stand. So it, it strategically... Uh, sounds strong, like a, a good a good thing for him to go out and get one good affordable medical opinion that says, no, this this isn't possible. And I'm guessing that's where you're going to go. But the way this is being built up, but when you when you phrase it with the specific question that he asked you and what he needed to satisfy to move the, to make the best case possible, mm -hmm. it, it does make a little bit more sense to me. Yeah, yeah. So well, 
I thought, by the way, I thought it was on the edge of incredulous, uh, but I'll come back to that in a moment. But Mike, of course, we know that it is possible when people have coronary bypass surgery that they could have some uh, cognitive or other mental problems because when a patient is put on a heart-lung machine, obviously their own heart isn't beating, their lungs aren't what is supplying the oxygen to their brain. That is all being done by uh, a machine. And in very uh, rare circumstances, I don't have the statistics at my fingertips, but uh, at, in very rare circumstances, uh, patients can have cognitive problems from a, a lack of oxygen that you know can occur. But uh, I've where- even while I've seen and heard of mm-hmm. post-surgical uh, cognitive changes, especially in older people, where after someone undergoes heart surgery or any type of surgery for that matter that may be um, of a significant duration or involves the heart, that there can be plaque ruptures or microvascular plaque ruptures Mm -hmm. that do spread to the brain and may cause cognitive changes. But Mm -hmm. what I would say, and I don't want to go down a path of of all the various explanations, I think it's a bit tangential to this topic, but those changes do not present with in the same nature timeline specificity as, as what was outlined in this gentleman's uh, medical care, but that in fact, we do as doctors understand there, there's some basis for thinking about cognitive changes after a significant surgery. Right. Right. So then in my report, uh, I went through and recorded all of the significant verbatim notes from, uh, this client's medical records that I thought were pertinent to what happened to him and also pertinent to the uh, questions being asked. After reviewing all of the medical rec, talking to the attorney, reviewing all the medical records, interviewing this client uh, by phone uh, for about an hour, um, I put my own uh, thoughts and uh, medical opinions together. And um, it was my uh, opinion that this client suffered a mild traumatic brain injury and had a a number of problems that resulted from a mild traumatic brain injury and a subsequent post-concussion syndrome. And there was some objective evidence that was very powerful in helping to make this diagnosis. And uh, we'll come back to that in just a moment. So In terms of the mild traumatic brain injury, uh, the biggest problem that the client had is he had a significant cognitive loss. And these were things, obviously, that had uh, started, well, didn't start after the uh, surgery he had. It started (laughs) immediately after he was struck on the head. And he had pretty serious short-term memory problems. In fact, I quoted the client in my report saying, quote, my short-term memory went to hell, end quote. 
So he had some common problems that uh, you can have without a head injury, I suppose. But, you know, he would put his keys down and he couldn't remember where he put them. But he had more serious uh, problems. So, for example, he told me of a, a recent time where he had put some water on the boil to make some spaghetti. He totally forgot that the water was boiling on the cooktop and the to the extent that all of the water boiled off, it all evaporated out of the pot and the pot got so hot that it actually blistered his uh, stovetop. Mm. And that's just one uh, example of um, how severe his short-term memory problem was. And um, he, he told me that he doesn't do things like that anymore. I mean, he's not going to make a meal where he could be caught up short uh, and something serious could happen. Uh, he could burn the house down or, or, or whatever. Um, he also had another symptom that is absolutely classic for mild traumatic brain injury, uh, mild traumatic brain injury. And that is he had very rapid mental fatigue. And so he uh, reported that he, he couldn't read a book because he got so mentally exhausted after just a short period of time of, of reading. Uh, and of course, this would also have him experience uh, concentration problems, attention span problems. And he was uh, pretty impaired by these cognitive problems. Now, he also uh, had a sleep disturbance, difficulty falling and staying asleep, which is typical for a head injury. He also had something that occurs with a, a fair amount of frequency, and that is he had a visual disturbance. And he had both visual problems and perceptual problems, and he had uh, uh, problems in which they, they were significant enough that he actually had to get treatment for it. He had blurred vision, difficulty focusing. And uh, I'll tell you um, an interesting sidebar story on that. So as you know, Mike, when I do my conferences, live conferences, to teach physicians how to do this work, one of the things, one of the sessions is about doing uh case studies so the physicians can learn about the common kinds of medical conditions that they're going to encounter, one of which, of course, is mild traumatic brain injury. And I went through a whole list uh, of uh, symptoms that a person could have, problems that a person could have. After that talk, I had one of the physicians who was attending the conference come up to me and he said, I'm so glad that you talked about that problem with vision I was rear-ended. I had, I got a mild traumatic brain injury and I had these problems for such a long time. And it took my doctors a, a long time to figure out that this was part of my mild traumatic brain injury problems. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't fantastic for him, but he was pleased that the doctors were, were learning about that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I think it's worth mentioning too, that these, these things that you're listing, cognitive deficits, the sleep disorder, the vision 
disorder. These are elements that you're including in your report as in a summary fashion for this attorney to really paint and, and clearly illustrate what the ongoing deficits of his client are. Right. Right. So yep. I don't want to get in the weeds in this, like you said earlier, but he had a mood disorder. Um, he had uh, a depression, some other uh, problems. And then I uh, went on to talk about my opinion with regard to mechanism of action and uh, ca uh, causation of the problems and so forth. Um, okay. But, now, drum roll. Did, yes. did you did you think that his his cardiac condition contributed at all <laughs> to his mild traumatic brain injury? I was. <laughs> you were. You read my mind. So, um, <laughs> so here's the thing. He had uh, an MRI done somewhere along the line uh, after his uh, accident, and as you know, in most cases of mild traumatic brain injury. MRI and CT scans are normal. In this case, he actually had an abnormal MRI of the brain. And he had a couple of things. He, he had what is called uh, hemosiderin uh, stain. And that occurs when uh, the smallest blood vessels, the capillaries, uh, leak. And this can be due to a wound, a broken bone, a surgical incision, other types of trauma. But in this case, it was clearly due to the blow to his head. So he had this objective evidence that after this occurred, he was hit with enough force that it actually ruptured some of the small blood vessels in his brain. He had a small bleed in there, and there was evidence of this on the MRI. So that really speaks to his problems, which occurred immediately after the accident, being related to this blow to the head. Now, the other uh, issue is that um, I was able to go to the uh, medical records, and I was able to quote from the medical records from the uh, and quote from the client's uh, car, uh, cardiologist and what the cardiologist said is quote the question has been raised as to whether these problems are all due to his concussion and the residual effects of mild traumatic brain injury or if the cardiac condition may have contributed in some way our records indicate the complaints of cognitive and visual problems stem from the workplace concussion incident, which preceded the cardiac problems and surgery, end quote. And then I also was able to quote from the treating PhD neuropsychologist who said, quote, his cognitive deficits at this time appear consistent with a concussive injury or mild traumatic brain injury. And she went on to report that the results of her neuropsych testing indicated that the client is experiencing verbal, meta, uh, verbal memory uh, deficits and executive functioning deficits that are uh, uh, seen in head injuries and not seen in patients with congestive heart failure or heart problems. There you go. Yeah. That's excellent. And the other thing that stood out from this report, you had said, I think it was about eight pages 
in, mm-hmm. in length. One of the other things that stood out, and I, I noticed that something very common to what I include in my reports is as many of the verbatim notes, you, re, you mentioned this when you were talking, I didn't want to interrupt you, but the verbatim notes that you included here and that I often include routinely that mm-hmm. add to the narrative of the medical, the medical explanation, the medical diagnoses, the relevant studies, giving dates, giving the treating physicians, the medical team, whether it's a nurse practitioner, an ER visit, an MRI, a CT scan, and really attaching those meaningful diagnoses and entries in the medical record at a, in a way that paints the picture so clearly mm-hmm. that our attorneys have a one-stop shop to include with these report, these reports serving as part of their settlement demands and, and during their negotiations to really maximize the, the value of the case because they're painting the clearest picture possible. And I, I believe in, in, uh, in a very biased way <laughs> that this would, would be just invaluable to, to have uh, in their armamentarium whenever they're trying to explain and represent their client appropriately for the, the legitimate medical ongoing problems that their clients are suffering. Having this narrative built, assembled by a physician in a way uh, of only using relevant tests and, and really just making it crystal clear. Yes. It, so good it, job. Well done on this report. It, it stood out. That's why I wanted to mention that is it, it, it really, really stood out, Armin. Yeah. Well, thanks. So uh, I, I may not have stated the obvious, but it was my opinion to a reasonable degree of medical probability that it was this work-related accident, the blow to the head, the objective evidence, as Mike, as you're pointing out, all of the verbatim records that I was able to quote and so forth. Uh, that it was my opinion that this was the cause of this man's problems and not some extraneous out and left field, in my opinion, uh, attribution to his coronary artery disease. Fantastic. Great. Well, if there's any, if there are any listeners who would like to see a redacted version of this report, if you have a case that you would like to discuss that, maybe has uh, facts that that are clear or unclear and you believe that a physician, whether it's including research and or providing our opinion and uh, critically evaluating the medical diagnoses and the medical testing to lend you information on the mechanism of injury or causation, we would certainly be happy to discuss that with you. We'd be happy to send you a report or more information about these services. Simply email us at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. Our other podcast episodes discuss and handle these topics uh, quite significantly. Feel free to reach out to Dr. Armin Feldman or myself, Dr. Michael Bummer on LinkedIn. We're happy to chat with you. And we, we really enjoy this work if it doesn't show. And if you have any questions, just let us know. Great. So before we sign off for the day, I do want to give a quick uh, tease on uh, coming attractions. We have some really interesting episodes uh, coming up in the next uh, few episodes 
uh, please stay tuned to see what it's all about. But I think our, uh, our attorney uh, listeners, as well as our physician listeners and, and anyone else would find what we're uh, going to be discussing and who we're going to be discussing with it with uh, a, a lot of very interesting and, and a lot of fun. I thought you were going to spill the beans, but I'm kind of glad you didn't. <laughs> right. That's right. If you find uh, our podcast uh, to your liking, we certainly would appreciate a, a five-star rating. Uh, if you have a question or a comment, as Mike said, uh, please get a hold of us. And uh, we look forward to having you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. For more information about the show and to listen to all the podcast episodes, go to physicianshelpingattorneys.com. You can also email Armin and Mike at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com.